December 13th, 2022, this morning's class and classes throughout the week are de- donated in loving memory of Audrey Levy, Alea Shalom, Hana Bat Rachel by the Levy family. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pedaled Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom up, it's 17 lines up. To a certain extent, the Gemara is in the middle of a conversation. For our purposes, it's starting a new one. But we'll have to very briefly just read the last words from yesterday in order to segue into this next one. The Gemara said here in the middle of the line, Now the particulars of what Tana is, we mentioned yesterday, the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan who rejects it, we mentioned at the end of class yesterday as well. But effectively, the question of the Gemara is that we have an explicit pasuk in the Torah which we understand the hachamim to do, uh, to be a hekesh, which means to say it juxtaposes and mentions two separate halachot, seemingly different, very different one from the other, uh, together in one pasuk in order for us to derive halachot from it. And I refer to the pasuk here, umake behema yeshalemena, umake adam yumat. It first mentions a person who strikes and damages an animal in such a circumstance uh, or kills an animal, you'd uh, have to pay for it. And then separately, but in the same pasuk it mentions, if you strike a person, and of course he dies, you get put to death. Well, what's the, uh, uh, we're certainly talking about striking in both circumstances, but we'd have to imagine, the Gemara tells us, there's something more that's being taught by the Torah by placing both striking an animal and a human being in the same pasuk, something beyond uh, animal protection and rights, uh, something uh, halachic. And that's what the Gemara's question at this point. We suggested one approach. The Gemara knocked it down yesterday. It had a very important second approach that Tanah Deveh but the Gemara said not everybody agrees to that. It's a mahluk between Rabbi Yohanan Reish Lakish in Masechet Ketubot. Therefore, says the Gemara, what could we, according to Rabbi Yohanan, who really is the winning opinion, generally speaking, how would he explain this uh, Hekesh? Answered the Gemara, if you recall, this is the last words we read yesterday, patur af adam patur. So the Gemara answered, that it's coming to teach a specific halakha in the context of striking and damaging, which means to say if a person were to go up to another's uh, animal and of course strike or damage or kill it, in such a circumstance they'd be liable for damages, they have to pay for it. What if they did it for rifu'ah? What if you're a veterinarian? What if uh, your friend turned to you alternatively and said, I know you know how to let blood in the appropriate circumstances. Look, my cow seems to be ill. Could you handle it? And as a result of letting blood, you are makeh. You strike the animal. You give it a habura. You let blood from it. Are you liable in such a circumstance? The answer is absolutely not. The patzuk in the Torah doesn't teach us that explicitly, but it's clear. If you're dealing with damages, it means you actually damage the person. By extension, says the Gemara for us, according to the Biohanan, by striking a person, and notably in our context, your parent, where the Torah warns that if you're makeh, aviv, imo, mot yumat, if you're doing it for refuah, you're doing it with the purpose of refuah. No, v'haibahem means I'm going to transgress, transgress any suah from the Torah in order to keep life. Who said this is life? You're letting blood in this circumstance. You're just looking to aid the person in refuah. You know, it's, uh, to the extent that it's, that it's actually saving a life, you want to say that v'haibahem should be uh, sufficient? 
Uh, again, you're just helping their, let's say it's, let's, let's very clearly make it not that way. It's in order to uh, relieve them of a fever. And nobody's imagining that fever is going to be debilitating to the extent that it's going to kill them. It's debilitating that they're going to miss business, that they're not going to be feeling good. In such a circumstance, is it permitted? How about that? Says the Gemara, that's what's permitted as well. Af adam patur. Uh, so too, if a person were to strike a, well, in our purpose, in our circumstance, specifically your parents, in order to let blood, let's say, in order to help them with their fever, not life-pressing uh, situation, what's the halacha patur, says the Gemara, because in truth, this was a question. The Hakamim debated this issue with regards to, again, the Torah is strict and severe. You may not strike your parent. We understand that from the Mishnah Daf that it's referring to when you brought forth blood, even if it's a black and blue, but it's Asabu Habura. But is that the case under all circumstances? Because after all, they, meaning the rabbis in the Midrash, had the following question. Ben, a child, is he allowed to draw blood from his father? Again, for medicinal reasons, not life-preserving per se, but uh, of, of quality of life purposes. Is that permitted? The Torah is strict, severe. You get put to death if you strike your father or your mother. Uh, what's the halakha with regards to if you're doing it Rav Matna Amar. On the one hand, Rav Matna derived the permissibility from The pasuk in the Torah says you're supposed to love your neighbor, your friend, like yourself. And in turn, the understanding, as Rashi explains it, is the striking of another, specifically your parent in this circumstance, is because you're not treating them uh, with love. It's because you're going against love. Over here, if you're doing it with the expressed and clear purpose of healing them, of helping them, that's that certainly would be permitted. Rav Dimi Bar Amar, he says, I derive this same halacha again, that if you're doing it for... Uh, healing purposes, it's permitted. He says, I got that from the, the hekesh we began the day with. Amar adam patur. Af adam patur. He derives it from this hekesh. Now, either way you have it, with regards to these derashot in the beraita, these derashot in the gemara, you have a permissibility of Either it's being derived logically, this is love, you're not doing anything with animosity or with hatred and as a result fully permitted or alternatively a little bit more te- technical maybe more tenuous but you have a hekesh the Torah says the same way something is true by an animal so too it's true by a human being what's that something say so you're not allowed to strike the animal so too by a human being oh, that's not a hedush it's that you're allowed to strike the animal if it's litterfuah so too for a human being now the Gemara says this is not so simple because Oh, what about if uh, it's not to draw blood per se, it's not to relieve, again, once upon a time, ancient medicine taught, and I guess in certain, I don't have a doctor in the crowd today, but uh, ancient uh, practice used to be that if a person had fever or just to maintain their, their wherewithal, they used to draw blood on somewhat of a regular basis. So that's really what we're referring to when we talk about hakazat dam. But what about a different type of circumstance? What about, uh, my purpose is not to draw blood, to let the blood in order to relieve the person of some sort of pain or discomfort, but rather I'm doing something else. For example, the Gemara will give two examples. I'm pulling a uh, thorn, a splinter out of my, uh, my father's uh, finger. In uh, and, and so doing, now I'm not drawing the blood with the purpose of refuah, I'm pulling the splinter to relieve him of that. But as a result, 
stands to reason blood is going to come out. What about if I'm, uh, they have a, a blister or a boil and I want to pop it, I want to puncture it in order to bring forth uh, relief for the person. But by so doing, it's not just going to be that pus comes out, there's going to be some mixture of blood as well. Would that be permitted? Again, it's not the direct drawing and letting of blood which is giving the refuah, but it's a byproduct of what I was doing. Is that permitted as well? Because again, we understood and I let a strike, you get put to death with that severity. However, if you're drawing the blood, if you're doing it specifically for Rifua, that's permitted. What if it's a byproduct of it? Says the Gemara. Is it Hitting. It's one and the same. Hitting is defined by, we want to quantify hitting. That's what the rabbis very often will do. The Torah just says, How do you define that? Quantify it. What does it mean to hit? So it doesn't mean the Gemara told us earlier. It doesn't mean just to hit, give a slap. You shouldn't do that either. But, but that's not what we're talking about, death penalty with the parents. It doesn't mean, furthermore, the other extreme, that you have to bring them to death. The Gemara proof for us as well. That goes without saying it. It's rather something in the middle. What's something in the middle? It's hitting, but it brings forth blood. That's, that's so the thing. When you're pointing out a form and you're doing all this blood, like you're not really hitting. You're not hitting, not but you are bringing blood. blood. Yeah. So it's considered haka. In other words, why would, what is the definition of blood? What's that? Which is makir. Egrof would be by that. It's not in the context of avivimo, but why, why any different? Yeah. It's showing you that it's something more than taking a short hand. Yes, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that's the Gemara's question. The Gemara questions, but again, by Avivi Imo over here, we want to know if you were doing that, would that be permitted, the pulling the thorn? So that's the Gemara, Rav, Lashavik Libre Le Mishkal Le Silva. Rav would not allow for his son to take a splinter, a thorn out of his skin. Uh, why not? Again, I know you're doing this for health reasons. I know you're making, doing this to relieve, to relieve me, to give me relief. However, ultimately speaking, you're going to bring forth blood. I'm not going to be permitting of that. Uh, and similarly, along the same lines, more the son of Ravina would not allow his son uh, to relieve him in a circumstance where there was a boil, where there was a blister, because again, says the Gemara Dilma, maybe Habil, there would be a Havala, Havala means damage. Um, and uh, to be hovel and mazik means to damage a person. Vahavale shigigat isur. It might be accidental, but it would be an accidental isur. It's asur to be hovel ba'avivim. I know you won't be put to death per se. Now, ultimately speaking, you didn't do it on purpose. But shigigat is a pretty severe thing. To be shogeg on an isur of this severity is no simple matter. And before we move onward in the Gemara, how are we posek on this sort of matter? It's an interesting thing. The Gemara is suggesting very clearly that two important emoraim would not allow for their child, for their son, to help them in medicinal, medical, procedural stuff, again, not with v'hai bahem, uh, because there was a fear of shigigat isur. Is that how we're supposed to be posek harambam? In his Pesach Halacha, this matter says that if there's someone else to do it, so then you should have someone else do it. Yes, John? In this case, um, all other cases of murder, you have to have a warning. No warning over here. No, no, uh, no murder over here. No, inflicting the wound, you still receive that, you have to have a warning. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd have to be a warning. 
Um, but uh, okay, but uh, anyway, so, so Harambam says this is a lechatechila statement. Ideally, uh, you should turn to another person. You have another another person, whether a professional, a person who knows what they're doing, they should be left. If there's no one else to do it, then it's permitted. Ultimately speaking, it's just going to be shogig. We don't want to be shogig in any isur, uh, but this is a lechatechila. Rif and rosh, according to the understanding of Maran, of Bet Yosef, and Siman Resh Mem Aleph and Yoredea, disagree. They say at all costs, under all circumstances, it is. Is not permitted. When we quote these two stories of these two emoraim, it's telling you a child may not, even if there's no one else, again, provided that it's not life threatening, a child may not treat the father if there's a potential of havalan. Shohan Aruch, right there, and Siman Resh Memalif, and Saif Gimal, in Yoredeaz, Posekla Halacha, like Rif and Rosh, like the majority opinion. No, the statement here is even if the child is a doctor, they should not be doing something. Now, Yesterday, in a different context in the class, I mentioned to Jeffrey, the poskim do discuss what if the parent gives expressed permission to the parent to do so. Uh, so again, it's going to be a shigiga in the context of gave the permission. He's the best person to do it. And even according to Shohan Aruch, yeah, well, in that circumstance, many of the poskim... That's correct, that's correct. But the question is with the permission and it's accidental and so on and so forth. As so some post scheme and the majority opinions that would be permitted. Anyway, here says the Gemara again. So our, for our purposes, we're back to this situation. These two Emoraim turned to their children and said, don't be involved with this. There's a potential of Shigigat Isur. I don't want you to pull the splinter. I don't want you to relieve me of this blister, of this uh, boil that I have. Says the Gemara, then if that's the case, so why are we distinguishing between children and anyone else? These two emoraim would turn to someone else? One second. They turn to someone else. I'm not allowed to, believe it or not. I'm not allowed to hit you. I'm not allowed to hit you, and you're not allowed to hit me. That's an isur from the Torah. The Gemara Masechi Ketubot and Daflamit Gimal derives it from the Hakav Betin. The Torah says, Lo Yosif. You're not allowed to add on more than the 40, really 39 lashes of the Betin. Pen Yosif. Because if you were to do so, you'd be transgressing an isur from the Torah. Well, that being the case, uh, let me understand this. You told me, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm making up these emoraim. Father, you told me I'm not allowed to take this, so you're turning instead to uh, someone else. Now, that person, when they take it from you, they're also potentially going to bring forth blood. They're going to pull the uh, splinter out and blood might come out just as much as if I did it. They're going, to pu- they're going to puncture the blister and they're going to bring forth blood just as much as I may have. So that's better than me? Over there as well, there's an isur for them. So they're going to be shikigati sur as well. I'm shikigati sur if I were to do it, just like uh, our neighbor, just like our friend, just like your friend is going to... Ihaqe says the Gemara, aher nameh. Uh, so too it should be asur for another person to do it. Why is it more permitted for another person to be over and isur to transgress this violation that they have of lo yosif bishogeg any more than me, says the child, or says the Gemara about the child who has a shigigat isur, answers the Gemara, listen, the circumstance is such that we need this blister, we need this splinter to be dealt with. All right, we have a choice over here. The son has an isur that comes with it, a liability of death penalty. Uh, that's our Mishnah. gets put to death with strangulation. If a person were to strike another person, Asur may not do so, but the punishment is less severe, it's more lenient, and it's Malkot, says the Gemara. That's the reason we distinguish. Aher, if it's another person, it's Shigigat Lav. At most, it's Bishogeg, it's accidental. Their purpose is not to let blood uh, in this circumstance, the purpose is to take the splinter. It's Shigigat Lav, it's going to be an accidental isur lo ta'aseh. 
Ben Off, it's a child, it's Shigigat Henek, it's a lot more severe, it comes with a death penalty. It might be by mistake, but you're dealing with a, an action that comes with, when done purposefully, uh, um, uh, death penalty, uh, we want to keep you away from that circumstance. We'd prefer instead, we turn to instead an Aher. Okay, what we had then in the Gemara is that there's a Heter, there's a permissibility for Refu'ah, for Ben the Aviv Ul Imo, and we had separately that if it's not going to be Lerefua, but it's rather going to potentially be Shigigat Havala, even Bemakom Refua, that would be Asur, at the very least Lechatechila, according to Harambam, at the very most, and even Bidi'avad, under all circumstances, according to Shohan Aruch. Turn to another person. What's that? If you did it Bishogeg, if you actually, uh, that's, that's what the Gemara is making somewhat clear for us. Again, Hayuv Mita? No, because it's going to be Shogeg, but it's going to be Shogeg. You're not actually going to get that punishment, ultimately speaking. It's going to be Shogeg. We don't want, believe it or not, we don't, you believe it, we don't want people doing wrongful deeds even if it's not coming with the full severity of a punishment. And the whole reason for doing what they're doing is because one is a little worse is be, than the other. It's because we know that's what defines, that's the barometer of severity. It's not that that is the reason not to do it. It's a deterrent. It's not the definition of the Isur per se. Listen, Gemara is far from done yet anyway. But What's that? Is havala is is haka'a haka'a? Yes, uh, you're, you're pointing out. I think what Jesse was telling me earlier is that I, we're, we're broadly defining striking. Striking doesn't mean you beat him up per se. It means you damaged him. You heard? It could be. It could be. But you didn't do it. Shevalta asim. I want to just leave it. I don't want to get involved in this sticky, sticky situation. I got you. Again, if it's a life-threatening, there's no question. We're going to be all there it pretty much like every year. It, like yeah, it, it, it seems like it's more dangerous. And as a result, that's what I'm saying. We, we ask, there has to be an expressed and clear permission from the person to the doctor, per se, uh, to, to, to make clear, I'm permitting this. Because keep in mind, even if it's the child to the parent, according to most poskim, it's, it's permitted if there's a permissibility. Uh, says the Gemara, but this is far from simple, because ultimately speaking, what's taking place, keep in mind, is not a, it's not a, a willful and, and hoped-for outcome. Nobody wants blood, certainly not the person who's taking the splinter, and absolutely not the person who's asking for the splinter. I just want the splinter out of my finger, out of my hand. I don't, I don't want the consequence of blood. It happens to be that that's what's going to come. Is that Azul? is when I didn't have an expressed purpose in mind to do that, to bring forth that, but that's what came about. That's gonna be considered damaging? That's gonna be considered haka'ah? Is that really so? I have a halakha in Hilchot Shabbat that would seemingly direct me in a different way because the halakha goes as follows. The Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat teaches the following. Mahat shel yad litol ba etakos. Now the Mishnah is talking about a specific halakha of mukseh. 
You see, when it comes to mukseh, there's something called kelisha melechto isur. If an object is its its major and its fundamental purpose is for isurim, that's mukseh. It's not allowed to be handled on Shabbat. Okay, but if it's being carried or used for matters of heter, for something that's permitted on Shabbat, even though generally speaking we say don't touch it, don't move it, but it's being used for a permitted activity, under these circumstances it's permitted. For example, a mahachil yad, if you have a small needle. Now small needles, generally speaking, are used for sewing. You're not allowed to sew on Shabbat. What if it's little boy takot? You're using it in order to pull out, and that's the way until today, to the best of my knowledge, you pull out splinters. It's permitted to carry on Shabbat. You're permitted to handle it. Oh, wait a second. I, I don't understand. I'm a little confused over here. On Shabbat, you're, forget about the mukseh issue. You assumed that you're allowed to pull out a splinter on Shabbat? Why would you be allowed to pull out a splinter on Shabbat? Didn't you tell me just a moment ago that when you pull out a splinter, you oftentimes bring forth blood as well? If you oftentimes bring forth blood as well, you're not allowed to be hovel on Shabbat either, not only uh, to interpersonal, you're not allowed to do it to yourself on Shabbat. You're not allowed to bring forth blood or make a black and blue mark to yourself on Shabbat. That's an Yisur on Shabbat. So if that's the case, how come we're permitting at all to use the needle to pull out a splinter on Shabbat? Velehush says the Gemara, we should have a hashash and say that it's asur dilma havil sekila. We should say that maybe the person will damage himself, meaning he'll bring forth blood while taking out the splinter, and as a result, we'll call that a shigigat isur. And it's not just a shigigat isur; it's a shigigat sekila. It's going to be an isur on Shabbat. It's a sekila. You get put to death by stone. It's the highest of severities. You're telling me we're not permitting a child to pull the splinter from his father, from her mother, whatever the circumstances. Why? Because it might accidentally bring forth blood. What's the maximum if it was done purposefully? Hanuk. That's the lowest on our rungs of, of severity in terms of death penalty. On Shabbat, where it's the highest sikila, you're allowing for a, per- a person, even to himself, to draw forth, the, to take the uh, splinter out? Why should you do so? So mahloka with the Yisur is on Shabbat, but we assume nitilat neshama, which is one of the third nine melachot, just by letting blood, uh, it's, it's, it's an Yisur in and of itself. Uh, it might be sovea. Um, it's, it's, it's an Yisur on Shabbat. Either nitilat neshama, because the blood is considered nefesh, or alternatively, it's sovea. Those are two of the major opinions of Masechet Shabbat. Uh, either way you have, sovea means to color something. Either way you have it, uh, that's, that's what the Gemara now is stating for us a, a question. Answers the Gemara, Shabbat is different. Why is Shabbat different? Why should it be any different? If I'm not allowed to do a havala, I'm not allowed to do a havala. If I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to. Answers the Gemara, Shabbat has a particular halakha, hatam mekalkelhu. When it comes to Shabbat, the Torah, as Rashi cites, as the Gemara Masechet Hagigandaf Yod makes clear, is defining its activities by the Mishkan. You see, the Torah, of course, uh, puts together the Mishkan and Shabbat. The beginning of Parashat Vayakel mentions how Moshe gathers the people and talks to them about the halachot of Shabbat. In the context of the Mishkan, building the Mishkan, the Torah repeatedly uses the words Melechet Mahashevet. It needed to be a purposeful, mindful activity. We derive from that laws to Hilchot Shabbat in general. Activities on Shabbat are prohibited specifically and only when they are purposeful and mindful. 
That being the case, it's a a whole different game when it comes to Shabbat. Shabbat, if I can define this as not being purposeful, not being mindful, again, I'm going to have mahloka. What does that mean? How do I know? Okay, but that's going to be the halakha, ultimately speaking. If I can objectively say something is not purposeful and mindful, it's not melechet mahashivet, it should be permitted. Well, pulling the splinter, bringing forth blood, was that purposeful and mindful? Bringing forth the blood? Of course not. No, but it's shogeg. It's not shogeg. On Shabbat, that's going to be fully and completely permitted, we're suggested suggesting that's what's called mekalkel. Now, I spoke wrongfully when I just said completely permitted. Mekalkel on Shabbat, we generally speaking assume at most is what's called patur. You're going to be exempt from punishment. It's not actually mutar to the exclusion of Rashi's one opinion in Masechet Shabbat. Everybody assumes when it comes to mekalkel on Shabbat, there's no punishment for it, but it's still prohibited. Carrying the needle, and you could, you could take out the splinter on Shabbat. That's... What? Oh, he's not talking about hotza. Huh? You're talking. You're talking about mukse. Not yeah. talking about taking in mukse. Mukse. No, no, mukse. I'm carrying. You're allowed to carry in order to use it. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I said you're using the word carrying. You're throwing everyone off. Carrying in hot Shabbat. No, it's taking the shul tarabim. You mean to handle it? You're allowed to. No, no, you can't carry. I meant, uh, my, so it's my fault. This is all my fault. I meant to carry it, to move it. That's what I meant. You're under a roof, you're in a house, you're moving it from one place to another. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm not kidding. Ah, okay, give me one second on that. Give me one second, that's everything. Everything boils down to that in a second. But anyway, so, so the Gemara then is telling us that the distinction between the Hilchot Havala by Haka'a, by striking and bringing forth blood from a parent, is different than Shabbat, whereas by striking and bringing forth blood on a parent, we're going to call it Shigigat Lav, Shigigat Hanek. That's going to be Asur. We're going to keep you away from that. When it comes to Shabbat, we're not going to deter you. We're not going to say, don't pull the splinter, because we're going to say, it's at the end of the day, at most, what we call mekalkil, kilkul, it's destructive in nature. It's not constructive. It's not mindful. It's not purposeful. It's not building something. It's rather tearing something down, taking the blood out. And that, at the very most, at the very most, is prohibited, but has no punishment. At the very best, it's fully permitted. Isn't it automatic that we're actually losing the cause of the But it's mekalkil. I understand. You're talking about davar sheinomit kaven with pesik reshech. Over here, it's mikalkil. Over there, but I'm happy with the outcome. I, I cut off the head. Um, over here, it's mikalkil. It's destructive. You're right. I'm sorry, another one of my faults over here. I made it all into mindful. It's not only mindful. It's that it's purposeful. Melechet mahashevet means as well that I'm constructing, that I'm doing something constructive. For example, it's for that reason that many of the melachot are specifically korea amenat litpo. It's not just that you're ripping, it's you're ripping with the purpose of then, then the, the sewing it up afterwards. It needs to be constructive. Mekalkel, uh, except according to Rashi, generally speaking, we assume patur of alasur. According to Rashi, mutar legamre. It's an anomaly of an opinion, Masechet Shabbat. Okay, but that being the case, as the Gemara answers, says the Gemara, it's, it's not so simple because now we come to to Morris's point. Morris said on Shabbat, you see, the Shabbat, we have a halakha that uh, explicit in the Torah, in the eyes of the Hakamim, that milah is dohat Shabbat. You do berit milah on Shabbat even to the extent that you're pushing aside Shabbat. One second, P- pushing aside Shabbat, you just told me, mekalkel, if the blood that's being let out when a person's doing a circumcision is not purposeful, it's not constructive, so you don't need a pasuk in the Torah to tell me that's permitted. Of course that's permitted. You just told me, or at the very least you could do it. And also you just told me that mekalkel on Shabbat 
It's not really a problem. If it's not constructive, it's not purposeful, it's permitted. Uh, so then how come you need a pasuk in the Torah that teaches me otherwise with regards to milah? Oh, milah is permitted. Of course milah is permitted. You're not doing it. Uh, let me go to my child. Let me go to his child and bring forth blood. No, 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 you're doing milah. And it happens to be the consequence is blood is being. As a result, the Gemara has in Masechet Shabbat, according to Rashi, a mahloket, two opinions about whether mekalkel bahabura specifically, not in other halachot of Shabbat, mekalkel bahavala ubehavara. Our purposes will focus on habura. Mekalkel, when it comes to this milachav, damaging another, whether that's permitted or prohibited on Shabbat. Maybe by definition, a habura, bringing forth to another person or to yourself damage, that's always purposeful, that's always constructive. It's not constructive. No, but if you're doing it, it's always going to be considered constructive, and as a result, maybe by habura, we don't have this law of Mikalkil on Shabbat is in some way more lenient. Says the Gemara, uh, this is not so simple. Says the Gemara, Haniha, this is all understood. patur. That Mikalkil by Habura specifically on Shabbat is patur. However, um, uh, uh, however, says the Gemara, answers the Gemara according to that other opinion, that of Rabbi Shimon, how are you going to explain again the distinction in our Gemara between Makke Aviv when you're taking out the splinter, where we warned the children, don't do that, to Shabbat, where we're allowing for the splinter to be taken. You suggested maybe it's because on Shabbat you have a specific halakha of mekalkel. Well, we responded, not everybody agrees to that. Rabbi Shimon would disagree with it because of Morris's proof that why do you need milah to be permitted? It must be that in general it's not permitted. Says the Gemara, man shamat le de amar mekalkel bahabura hayav, Rabbi Shimon hi. Says the Gemara, the only opinion who maintains that mekalkel bahabura on Shabbat is hayav, that when you did a damage to a person or to yourself on Shabbat, even though it wasn't the expressive, purposeful, constructive reasoning, it was a consequence, it's still prohibited. Mekalkel bahabura hayav, not only prohibited, you might be liable. That's only Rabbi Shimon's opinion. According to Rabbi Shimon, there's another reason why on Shabbat this is permitted. What's permitted? Taking out the splinter. What's the other reason? I thought the best we had was mekalkel, and it brings you to something along the lines of what what uh, Jesse was talking about earlier, Ha'amar Bishimon, Bishimon's opinion himself is Ha'amar patur Bishimon's opinion is, and it's a standard, well-known opinion, that when you're dealing with a melacha on Shabbat, that's permitted. First, let's define the term and then understand its relevancy to over here. The term goes as follows: the classic example of melacha is again, listen to the words, melacha, you did an action which is prohibited on Shabbat, but it's enat it's not useful, legufa, for it, itself. What are we talking about? Hofer bor, if a person goes outside, he digs up a hole. The only reason I'm pulling up the dirt in the hole, in the pit, is in order to use the dirt. Bringing dirt on Shabbat is not prohibited from the Torah. Making a hole is prohibited from the Torah. That's called melacha. The melacha is hafira, digging that hole. I didn't want a hole in my backyard. I just needed some soil to use somewhere else. Happens to me. I made a hole by doing so. Is that 
prohibited or permitted on Shabbat. According to the Bishimon, it's 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 patur. According to the Bishimon, you're not going to be liable to punishment. There's mahlokit further on this matter, but that being the case, let's now liken that to our situation. I brought forth blood by taking out the splinter. Was my purposeful and intent intent over here to bring forth the blood? Certainly not. It was just to take the splinter out. My purpose is is not making the hole. It's to get the dirt. As a result, if Bishimon's opinion, he's the one who's giving us trouble over here because he says but he also says alright so we settled it if you go like Rabbi Yehuda who says alright so we, we settled the matter as well what's the difference between and Shabbat where you're allowed to pull the splinter the answer is according to Rabbi, according to Rabbi Yehuda uh, one is which is on Shabbat and the other one doesn't have such a halacha what about according to Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon says okay on Shabbat I have a different halacha derived from the same verse. It's not for the express purpose as opposed to constructive, which was the idea of mekalkel, uh, as opposed to destructive, over here to the purpose that would be uh, not liable to, pen- to penalty, uh, to, to punishment. And as a result, the Gemara says, that's the difference. We settled this matter. Don't have your child, says the Gemara, take your splinter or let, uh, open your, your blister. Again, according to Harambam, according to others, even Bidi'avad, but on Shabbat, fully permitted, again, provided that the circumstance is necessary, because ultimately speaking, we're just saying patur, which means it's not punishable. doesn't mean you should be doing it. Okay, so the Gemara says, b'makum tsa'ar, it's fully permitted. Says the Gemara, let's just begin the question over here. Says the Gemara, merav sheshat. They ask the following question of Rav Sheshat. Ben, now that we've talked about a permitted and prohibited situations for a fa- child to father, we understand that's permitted, um, maybe just not punishable is the right way to say it. It's not punishable by death if a child strikes their father or mother and doesn't bring blood as a result of doing so. It is if they do bring forth blood by doing so, if they strike to that extent. All right, we said furthermore, it's permitted if it's for refuah, if it's for medicinal reasons, if it's to relieve them of some stress or pain. What about if it's a mitzvah in the general sense? A mitzvah? How are you going to have a mitzvah? Shaliach betin. A person is appointed by betin to strike a person, to give the lashes. 39 lashes, as we've talked about on so many occasions. Can the child, he's appointed by Betin. His father, Lo'alema, transgresses something, he walks into Betin, looks at his father, says, I have to strike my father. That's right, it's a mitzvah. Is that permitted or not? Again, the Torah says, On the other hand, over here, it's the Betin, it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah from the Torah to fulfill the will of God in striking. Along the same lines, Rashi quotes from a mysterious that it's prohibited as well to do to your parents. Again, not, not mentioning God's name. And in this context is referring to excommunicate. Can the child as a shaliyah betin, can he excommunicate his father? If he's generally speaking not allowed to curse his father, is he not allowed? Is he allowed to excommunicate for the purposes of betin? That's the question that he asks. And quickly says the emale the aher mihitiro. And says Rav Shesha, one second, that was your question. Your question to me is about the father. What about someone else? A regular guy. Anyone. Is anyone in Betin allowed to be giving the lashes? Is anyone in Betin allowed to be cursing? In other words, putting someone in excommunication? Of course they are. That's what the Betin. No, one second. It's a suf from the Torah to do both of those. It's a suf from the Torah to strike another person. It's a suf from the Torah to curse another person. Well, if that's the case, 
if we're having a Beit Din, if we have this entity called a Beit Din, wherein people are striking, people are excommunicating, says Rav Sheshat, why are we distinguishing between a child and a father and any other person? Ela, rather, kevot shamayim adif, hachanameh kevot shamayim adif, says the Gemara, rather, it must be that uh, we distinguish between what's called kevot shamayim. Kevot shamayim means that we do it for the honor of heaven. If we're doing this based on the mitzvah from the Torah, to have a Beit Din, to give lashes and to excommunicate, that's permitted. So too, as jarring and as difficult as it may feel, as uncomfortable and sensitively provoking and hard as it is, a child, Rav Sheshat is suggesting, would be permitted, maybe even mitzvah, the Gemara will yet challenge us and deal with this in the ensuing lines.